Okay. Three-point Rangers back, and uh, wow, do we have a lot to talk about. We have something unprecedented to talk about. Of course, it's going to be for the first time in 258 meetings between Duke and North Carolina in men's basketball. It will take place not just in the NCAA tournament, but at the Final Four. And this is Mike Berardino, joined as always by the scout, Kimball Crosley, and the professor slash Franklin Street correspondent, Tim Crothers. Tim, are you in one piece? I am. Uh, I mean, as you know, I, I took a lot of grief on the podcast uh, when we first got started because I, I actually like to, you know, to prepare my prepare a little bit. I'd like, you know, come up with some original thoughts and sometimes I even jotted them down. Uh, and uh, I've learned over, over time with the podcast that, uh, that lack of preparation is really what you all are looking for. And so I, I've really outdone myself tonight by, by uh, preparing as little as possible Good. for this podcast that was thrown together in, in the last uh, couple hours. Basically, my only preparation is that I, I haven't moved out of Chapel Hill. I still live there. And so um, so being that I'm here in, in town and where uh, UNC is located, I, it seemed like uh, appropriate for me to talk about, about UNC. And I can, I can bring something to the table uh, just by being here. And that is that, uh, that uh, I, I have been, uh, my one bit of research I did do, I've been, in, I've been uh, in and around Chapel Hill for 13 Final Fours. Imagine, imagine how spoiled the good people of Chapel Hill are. I mean, they're, they've, they've been as, they, this is the 21st Final Four, but even since I first moved here as a student in 1982, uh, there have been 13 appearances in the Final Four by the Tar Heels, which is, is really quite extraordinary. Same, same number as Mike Krzyzewski has in that same well, span. Well, there you go. Um, but here's the difference. Uh, the previous 12 were definitely different from this one in the sense that, that uh, the, because of the circumstances, I can tell you reporting live from Chapel Hill, uh, because of the circumstances, this one has a different feel. Um, I had some I had some of my correspondents up on Franklin Street post as, after the game ended today, and I can report that there was very little to no celebration. The mm -hmm. rush of the rush of Franklin Street, which normally occurs in uh, on a on, in a situation like this, did not happen tonight. And uh, I have some I have some theories on that. One of them is that the game, as we all know, was was so, somewhat anticlimactic. Um, there, I wonder whether things might have been different had we had to beat Kentucky or even Purdue uh, in a game that would have been more more of a challenge, perhaps. Um, but but I I think it it really has more to do with. Uh, a certain sense, and this is not this is not coming from me. This is not my sense, but this is a sense that I can report to you um, of, of people that I know and am close to and have spoken to over the last twenty four hours. There's a sense that uh, the good people of Chapel Hill and Tar Heel faithful um, are were so so elated and satisfied by that victory in Durham that ended the season. 
and there's a there's a sense around here um, that there's a, a lot of people in, in, who are Tar Heel fans do not want did not and do not want to play Duke again. Um, that they're that they're uh, maybe it, maybe it stems from the the foreboding words of of Paolo Banquero after uh, after they won the semifinal in the in the ACC tournament and he was asked who who would you rather play Virginia Tech or UNC and he looked stared into the camera and said UNC. Uh, there's been a, there's been, that, that question's not supposed to be a, ever answered, and it was in this particular case. Um, as, as you all know, I'm, I'm going to pat myself on the back from a few podcasts ago, and when I told the world that you needed to watch out for Duke, here they were, here they were going to, they were going to come. And You did, you did uh, say that. I did say that, and, uh, and I'm feeling somewhat justified at this point by that, um, and I do feel like, uh, yes, the, I'm just just gonna I'm just sharing with you from the inside insider's perspective that there is a feeling around uh, around Chapel Hill from a lot of people, and some people said straight out to me that they weren't really sure whether they would rather <laughs> if they knew that if they knew that Duke, Duke was going to win the next game. There's a lot of people who would have rather let, just gone ahead and let St. Peter's win the game today. <laughs> Knowing that the, the at least they would still have the last laugh on Mike Shashevsky. Uh but what a bizarre what a bizarre sort of feeling there is around around this town. I'm telling you, the, the celebration for this one has been so much more muted than anything that I've ever I've ever seen in any of my previous times around town when when UNC got got to the final four. I do think it's a combination of you know beating Cinderella. Um, but I think the biggest issue is that that there is just that the this is the beginning of what is going to be what some, what people are calling around here the most stressful week <laughs> in college basketball in the triangle in history, and that's what they're saying. And it is going to be it is going to be an amazing week between now and next next Saturday at eight forty seven p.m. Um, it, this, this area might just spontaneously combust between now and then, and it's going to be fun. And I'm sure we'll do another podcast between now and then, since we seem to do one every other day now. And, uh, and I'll report to you what, what's going on at that point. But, uh, but I'm, but I think the value of having, having us spread, spread all across the east of the Mississippi (laughs) is that we can bring you bring you uh, certain feelings from from behind the scenes and I'm telling you that uh, that behind the scenes here in Chapel Hill right now there is just this sense of of foreboding about what is to come in the in the in the next week and I think it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out and uh, and I, I don't think there I, I, I guess I'm just I guess I'm just taking the pulse for you I feel like the the general feeling around here is is a certain sense of dread. Again, that's not my that's not my take. Um, I you know I I really I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of let the week play out and sort of, and then feel then see how I feel when it's all when we're when we're there. But I can tell you that the average Chapel Hillian um, is is a little bit concerned about what <laughs> what might happen next Saturday night. Just just wondering what you guys. Thoughts on that are since you're you're not seeing it in in, uh, in 
you're not you're not getting the feel of it here, but uh, I'm wondering whether that's whether there's anything to that from from your in your Chapel Hill blue hearts that you uh, that you're seeing from afar. Well, since Mike just has the black gambler's heart, mm -hmm. and I am the only one that has the true Carolina blue heart. Oh, you're fair weather. We've established that. <laughs> the um, I will say I get it. <laughs> I feel it. I know it. Um, in fact, it was funny because, you know, today, um, you know, when you wait for a game like this, there's any care. You're it, you're always so antsy, and I wasn't that antsy, and and I felt pretty confident that we'd win. But I also was like, eh, I could, you know, if we lost, it would be the worst thing. <laughs> and, yep. and especially, I mean, part of me thought like, you know, if St. Peter's, which you know, it's still, you still shake your head. Like when you look back at their season and say, yeah, this team that lost to Siena or whoever, and, you know, 11 games in, in a crummy conference is, is, you know, beating these big teams now. And, uh, you know, like, well, if they can, if they can beat us with my eyeballs on the whole game and seeing like how it's done, <laughs> um, uh, I guess they can beat Duke too. So, you know, maybe they're more likely to beat Duke than us. And, and, um, and I've never thought this was a championship team, obviously, all year long. But part of that is also, I think, there's um, another factor might be, you know, the joy I feel for this team and being back on the bandwagon and a Fairweather fan is that, and I think I made this point, that, not, you know, I didn't believe in in this team. and But what really... Hubert's done and what the program's done has made me believe in him and the program going forward. And so I feel like, hey, the fact that he could regroup and get this team so good, you know, uh, during the season and, and you can see improvement, right? You can see guys playing better and the team playing better and, 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 and a whole toughness and edge and presence to the squad. And, and again, the, some of the factors we've talked about like again, you know, we didn't really mention in the last couple of podcasts, but it's not this the same Carolina offense at all, right? He's just said no. Like we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of like pick and roll and and use penetration on our guards and really he's just tailored. He's he's just gone his own way, and and it just makes you so hopeful for the future of the program um, that this is gravy. You know, like it was like once once he turned that corner, and that's why like once we beat Duke in that tournament. I was like, okay, you've shown me such good signs that, you know, now I can believe in the program again and we are on the right track, whatever happens and going forward. And we're all long, like I'm a long-term Carolina fan. You know, part of the joy is knowing just how great the program has been for so long. So yeah, um, it, it, I can see why maybe, I don't know. I didn't realize that that's how everybody felt. <laughs> I, thought, I thought all those crazy freshmen who've been fans for all of, you know, six weeks would be, you know, running around, taking off their clothes, painting themselves blue. So that's really surprising to hear. Not happening. I'd like to uh, send a word out to um, the staff at Monmouth University, where uh, one of the connections here is that King Rice has been there a decade. I, where did that decade go? And J.R. Reed is his assistant. And they would have played St. Peter's three times this year. Our friend Ken Parasini reminded me today. 
So what a scouting report Hubert Davis must have had at his disposal, because whatever St. Peter's was doing to make Calipari look bad and Matt Painter look bad, Hubert saw it all coming, and that there was that game was over within minutes, maybe in the first minute. So I guess those guys uh, certainly would have helped out. Um, this idea of the last word, the mic drop, um, that's why I like to go last here. Anytime you're arguing, if you're arguing with a sibling or a spouse or a former spouse or whoever, you want to have the last word. And the problem here is Carolina fans, no doubt, have that sense of foreboding because the outcome on Saturday night, that's the last chance you have with Mike Krzyzewski. That last word is not going to be unacceptable anymore as he so infamously said uh, after his day was spoiled at Cameron. Um, it will be a K coronation if uh, it goes as expected. And Andrew Baycott was hobbled. He was in that game far too long. You know how I feel about that. You guys don't think that's a thing. Andrew then, Baycott? Uh, that's a but, ding. Huh? Andrew Baycott? Armando, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Armando. Uh, who am I thinking of? Armando Baycott was in that game, and he was hobbled. He's got a little back issue we noticed from the previous game. And so maybe the best thing for Carolina fans is that the narrative is all about something with Baycott uh, having to leave that game early. If it's not going well, whatever. If it's a straight-up battle and, and Duke, which is now on all cylinders, flowing beautifully, there was that fellow who got some attention, unnamed person, put 300,000 down on Duke at at 14 or 15 to 1. I have him at 14 to 1. I didn't put 300,000 down. So that fellow's got a he's got a lot riding on this game too, but not any more than the Carolina uh, faithful who as Tim has pointed out to our vast audience uh, are in a state of dread. And when I think <laughs> back to 91, you know, I was there at that Final Four, 91 is the first one I ever got to cover. And Duke uh, was there, and Carolina was there his first time, the only other time they've been at the Final Four together. And there were a lot of people taking it as a foregone conclusion that Carolina was going to beat Roy Williams' Kansas team that had surprised getting to that point. Uh, didn't work out that way. But um, even then, I remember thinking it would be – bad somehow for the rivalry if they had to meet on that ultimate stage for the final winner take all truly because how would you ever top that so another way to look at this meeting is we we kind of determined on the show earlier that that win at Cameron might have been the most important win the most significant win in in the history of the rivalry for Carolina regular season or maybe the most significant win for Carolina period regular season. I said su I suggest that Dean Smith the uh, follow-up after he was hung in effigy uh, and they went to Cameron and won uh, back in the 60s might be right there with it. This a loss here is this the most painful loss for Carolina postseason history most significant loss painful loss for Carolina period uh, even counting the ones in the NCAA final. I guess it oh, would have to be. It would no, have to be. No. No. Because no. Expect, for exactly <laughs> the reasons we're discussing, the expectations are so low. Uh, I mean, I, ah. I, I, well, Mikey, 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 
brackets, what what's the uh, what's the spread? I've been busy tonight. I haven't had a chance to look. I'm going to find it for you. I'm going to guess okay. two by about five. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Let's we'll see. have that. Keep talking. Mm -hmm. Well, I, that's 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 why I think we. That's why I think this is not. Uh, if if Carolina were to lose, I do not think that this would be the the most disappointing loss of the postseason. I think you could pick out just about any NCAA final. What about Villanova? I mean, come on, is it worth yeah, sure. that? Sure. Really? It's just because no. of the hate that the, it, all the folks have built up for Coach K over the time, over these four decades, and this is the last chance, and he will get the last word yeah. if Duke wins, as expected. And let's see what that line is. No doubt, I agree with all. I agree. I agree with that. But I, I just think the difference. Oh, if, I'm a wizard. I'm a if, wizard. Duke by four and a half. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well. I'm surprised it's that low, frankly. Um, but uh, I will. I'll say that. Uh, yeah, I think the the uh, the expectations, at least in amongst amongst the people who travel in my circle, um, are 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 not that high. And therefore, you know, and also it's not it's not for the, if it was for the national championship, that would be that would be a little different matter. But. Uh, you're lowering yeah. the bar here. You're it systematically it, lowering the bar. It hey. doesn't get. It doesn't get. I, I can't imagine it. Get, it gets to a standard of losing on a, on a buzzer beater to Villanova. That's. It's no. It's not there. I don't. I, I don't. You know. I don't buy it. No, I agree. I mean, and there were so many. You know, years when UNC went in there with what looked like the best team, a top seed, maybe the top seed overall, and lost. And those. Those were some bitter losses, you know, when you know it's a great team and, and things go wrong. Um, so, yeah, I, I disagree. And I'll, I'll tell you one other thing from a Carolina perspective that's kind of interesting. At least, this again, this is my sense, uh, and I'm going on pretty fair, a fair amount of evidence from just all the people that I speak to all the time about Carolina basketball in this area. Uh, one other thing that makes that, that one particularly painful um, is that is is the particular love that the Carolina community held for one Marcus Page, and <laughs> and whether you you know whether that was justified or not, the truth of the matter is that that he was one of the most beloved players in Carolina history, and I think it's interesting with this team that uh, you know if there's anybody on this team that is kind of that has kind of captured the the Carolina fans' fascination, it, it's actually been Brady Manick. And you know, not you know, just kind of a rental player, um, you know, with no North Carolina connection whatsoever, uh, has come in. And but I, but I guess that in itself tells me that you know there isn't anybody on this team. Um, I mean, while obviously Carolina fans love their love their team blindly, but there isn't anybody on this team. I don't think that approaches the the love that people had um, for Marcus Page on that twenty. What was it? Twenty sixteen team. Sixteen. Yeah, that uh, you know. I think that's that's a, a small piece of it too. Is uh, you know, while everybody everybody in Chapel Hill has obviously hopped on the bandwagon now, for the longest time this season, this was a team that everybody thought was underachieving. That nobody really thought was, was uh, that there wasn't anybody on the team that people people were just living and dying rooting for. Um, and that we, you know, everybody was kind of just sitting back waiting to see, uh, 
how you know how far they were going to get, get and didn't think they were going to get anywhere near this far. There were a lot of people in Chapel Hill who thought they were going to lose to lose to uh, Marquette. So uh, yeah, I just think um, that that also I think is a little piece of 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 this whole puzzle um, that. Uh, you know, well, all these guys have, I think, earned great respect from from Tar Heel fans over the over the last couple of weeks. There isn't a Marcus Page on this team, and that, that that's a piece of it too. All right, Kimball, what's your point? All right, so you know, we obviously had a crazy tournament, and as Tim talked about last week, it was, you know, maybe the greatest example of parity we've ever seen in the tournament. But lo and behold, as we go to the final four, that is flipped. And, you know. There's an eight seed in the final four. Come on, yeah, that doesn't happen no, very often. I, I know. But what's funny is it might be the four most impressive programs of this century, of the last 22 years. It might be that you, you can make an argument for any of these four teams, I think, and say they have been the most dominant team of the last 22 years and i'll get to that in a second and 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 yeah it's funny because going into the tournament you know we wouldn't have expected this um and it's almost like one of those brackets that was filled out by somebody that doesn't really follow the season and they just pick the most familiar names and they go well unc and you go actually unc is not that good this year and and whoever duke and villanova and you know they just pick the teams that have been there in the past because these teams have been there i mean for gosh sakes and so when I talk about the argument, I think the winner of this little Final Four tournament here, the remaining four, will have a great argument to say, no, 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 we have been the best program of this century so far. Um, and if you think about it, it, it makes sense. I mean, you have uh, Duke and UNC have both won three titles, all right, since the year 2000. Okay which is the most of anybody. So of course, whoever wins a fourth says, well, duh. But then you have Villanova has won two titles and that's just since 2016. Okay, so they could say, no, it's us. This is our third title, you know, matching yours. And they've all come in the last six years, which is remarkable. And now let's not sleep on Kansas because you know who has won more games than anybody of those four teams since the year 2000, it's Kansas. And if you've, in a funny way, Kansas has been the team that has been there the most, but not done it, right? Um, and we all know that this tournament can be a real crapshoot for all the reasons we've t talked about and how teams have to lay down and fall down before you. You know, Gonzaga being a great example, you know, Duke handled Arkansas easily. Would they have beaten Gonzaga so easily? So, you know, um, I really think that that makes for a great Final Four. We're going to hear a lot about that coming up. And I think that it's one reason I think that Mike's pick to win the tournament, Kansas, might win. Because when I think about these four teams and why I kind of like that it's these four, is the tournament is sort of silly. It's a single game elimination, you know, and we all know that that doesn't really prove, you know, that much in basketball. But we have the four teams that have kind of been there most often in these last 20 years. They, they, they usually set, have a very high bar. And, and, and Kansas might be the team that actually has not slipped at all. 
it, other than losing the big one, Kansas has been amazing. Bill Self's teams, like I mean, like Duke's had its down years, and UNC has certainly had its down years, and Villanova's had some down years. But Kansas just dominates and gets there all the time during the regular season. They just have fallen short in a couple of big ones. So in a funny way, Kansas winning number two to tie Villanova with two and come one be one behind Duke and UNC, plus the most wins in that time. And don't forget, Kansas has the most wins ever of any team in, in the NCAA history um, uh, regular season or postseason. So I just think it's going to be fun to like see how that plays out. Um, and hopefully it won't be Duke. <laughs> um well i i i i'm not going to argue with that i mean that's absolutely you know reasonable that's research buddy that's research i know i thought we'd i thought we'd outlawed that i i gave (laughs) up on research months ago because i thought we don't doing that anymore but (laughs) that's not really you know i thought we don't i thought on a podcast you just talk and you don't you know just say what you you just when necessary you do your research Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm just going to talk about theory because I don't do research anymore. And I, one one point that I think is really is really interesting going into the Final Four, based on what we've discussed at this point, and that is, I think Kansas and and Villanova benefit so greatly by the fact that UNC and Duke are playing in in the semi in the other semifinal, right. because think about it. Either way, either way, Duke or UNC winning, either way. It is going to be such a monument. That's going to be all we've talked about for a week, yeah. and and the, the 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 chance of them being able to win that game and then bounce back two days later with the same level of effort and intensity and and just will to win the game. I mean, honestly, I think you know, in in some cases, if you if you if you asked either team, all right, you can win the game and lose the national championship. Win the semifinal and lose the national championship. Would you take that right now? I think both teams would take it. No, not Shashevsky. He needs to have his his glory of going out all the way. I, I don't. I don't. I. I don't know. I don't know. I just. I mean, of course, that's what he wants. But I'm. But you. I'm not offering you that deal. He doesn't want <laughs> to end his run with a two a two game losing streak to Carolina. Mm-hmm. True that. Yeah, I mean, I, bottom line is, I think it is going to be really, really hard for either whoever wins that game I, I, to bounce back and get and get up for Monday night against you know just another another college basketball team that is not not your your most hated evil rival. Uh, it's it's just going to be really interesting to see whether whoever wins it can can bounce back, and I do think that helps the winner of Kansas Villanova a great deal. Plus, Kansas is going to play a Villanova team that already had a very short rotation and now is going to be even shorter with the Achilles mm-hmm. injury. Um, so they're basically uh, iron five or maybe six. Um, you know, they will make no turnovers, virtually no mistakes, but they will wear down. I don't see. And so Kansas may actually have a, a bit of a, a cushion, may not have to be extended even. Uh, ordinarily, it would be a two barn burners potentially, but I think Kansas is favored by four 
I'm all over that. No problems there. But um, <laughs> by the way, how much money, how much money have you put down way, already? By the way, we don't get into that. It's very modest, very painfully modest. But I just, I'm just putting out a marker on my thoughts. By the way, guys, uh, I had, uh, I did finally put my final four out there and on Twitter. It's, it was proven. It's documented. And I had Kansas, <laughs> and I had uh, Villanova in the final four. Those are the two. How many final four? Uh, teams that you have right guys uh i have i had kansas and i guess that's it i didn't have, I, even though i sp- spoke so highly of duke i did not have the I didn't, yep. didn't have the guts to put them through past gonzaga which but, is that's uh, tragic uh and mm-hmm. kimball i think might have gone over four no i think i had kansas you think well. yeah well really well, because I'll I'll go and look. At, he did. He, he did he six brackets. He, he might have had. <laughs> He's gonna one go and look. <laughs> no, no, because you know I do the upset. Oh, oh my one. God. right, I'll go. right. Yeah, and that's sure. all right. That's all right. Yeah. We'll give you we'll give you Kansas. I had two. I also I want a little bit of credit here because you guys are always you're always giving me grief. Uh, I and I think I've said this on the pod before. I I only put down three future bets to win the national title all year and they're all done about a month ago or more i i just had seen what i needed to see and the three teams are uh were are texas tech at 30 to 1 gave duke a heck of a game that that hurt but 30 to 1 on a quality team that quality i felt pretty good about that duke at 14 to 1 as soon as they were done dispatching notre dame back in late january and kansas I have at uh, fifteen to one, and All right. uh, I'm just, your bets. those you are the three. Bets. I mm-hmm. mean, that's quality, quality pickage, and I just feel, uh, you know, like it's a final four. I'm just gonna sit back as in terms of that that side of my personality, and just just be really pleased, and then I guess really angry when Villanova wins. <laughs> but uh, that's right, why so. you're a professional gambler, and. <laughs> And that's why I'm a professional hedger because yep. my one future bet on this tournament was whenever I can, I pick, I, you know, because I'm not like you. I don't know where to make all these bets. But if I find myself in a, <laughs> a, a that yeah. book room thing, whatever it is, casinos, I bet I bet on Duke to win it all. So that's my hedge. If they win, at least get some money. Yeah. And if they lose, they'll be happy. What and so I, I bet Duke to win it all. But I did it early. Like and the odds Too are early. not good. Probably yeah, too early. Not, yeah, not good. You got. I, I don't remember. Tomorrow. Yeah, you got to You got to be patient. All right. Well, we're two thirds of the way through the show. Uh, just we thank you for finding us again here at Three Point Range. Check out our Facebook page, uh, our Substack. Uh, this podcast can be found at uh, Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google. Uh, Amazon, Stitcher, all your fine podcast outlets. Now, um, I'd like to uh, wrap up, and I don't think we have a ton of time, but so I'm going to try to, first of all, I'd like to apologize to everybody out there who who follows me on Twitter or might have noticed that I, I just still really suck at threads. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I always seem to mix up the information somehow. I'm like three, I get four of them done in a row, and then the, I don't know if you guys struggle with threads or if you ever i don't even know if tim 
Ever, what's what do you have there? What do you have? Which well, that's one of six. One of that's one of the, that's the one bracket that has Kansas in it. Uh huh. That's okay. the straight up pool. You know what else? You know, who else you have straight in the final up four? Pool. Who else did you have? Kansas. That's a straight up that's pool. That's one out of four. Kentucky, Arizona, Kansas, Gonzaga. Yeah, I know. I'm also Kansas going to the finals. You do realize that our listeners can't see the video, right? They cannot see the video. Yeah, yeah. I know, but, so, I, but so this is kind of confusing. We're going to have to Our listeners that. don't also uh, know Mike went on Twitter and said Kansas. They, they I, don't. I just want, I also think that there's some, tell me if you agree with this. I think there's some benefit, some honor in the fact that what did I think of the number one seeds? I only had one number one seed in my final four. I remember I went a one, a two, a three, and a four. And everybody, including the great Jay Billis, saying Gonzaga and Arizona super teams. You know, it was just like last year, Gonzaga, Baylor were super teams. This, these were not super teams, and it was proven as such. And I, and I was not buying that. I was doubting that. And I'm, I'm pleased with it. I don't think I win any pools. Uh, I have won some small things here, and I'm set up nicely for a good weekend. But uh, let's just. Uh, <laughs> is, this, is this your point? No, my point is this. I had mentioned earlier about Monmouth, but now I'm just going to, here's what I want to just convey. And first of all, before I get to my point, we were all, we were all in the Chapel Hill area in the late eighties, I believe. Um, Yeah. That's the whole point of the show largely. Uh, Did any of us ever have a conversation, an interview, uh, any, any interaction with Dick Harp? No, he, this was a man just right. We all, I good. I feel a little bit better for being so stupid as to never request an interview with Dick Harp, who was just sitting there as a special assistant to Dean Smith from 1986 to 89. I knew he was there. I think I waved at him. I I mean, I he would have just been a trove of stories. And here's his name was mentioned as they completed the broadcast today, um, when Carolina had qualified for the Final Four because Hubert Davis and Dick Harp are the only coaches in Final Four history to play in a Final Four and then coach their alma mater to a Final Four as head coach. Now, you would think Roy Williams. Roy Williams didn't play varsity, didn't play, uh, didn't make it to any Final Four. He wasn't that level of player. So it's Dick Harp and Hubert Davis. Now, in looking into that a little more, I was astounded that the the connections continue. So... um, as I mentioned on Twitter. What school? Huh? Dick what Harp. School? Went, well, here you go. Dick Harp played at Kansas in 1940, and they were an NCAA runner-up. Move ahead 12 years in 52. He's an assistant at Kansas. Dean Smith is on that team as a reserve. Kansas wins the national title. 57, I had to double-check this. Dick Harp was in his first year as a head coach. Wilt Chamberlain, triple overtime. They lose to Carolina. In the final, Kansas fans never really forgave him for that, and he ended up uh, having to resign in '64. And there was some racial unrest there. Dick Harp, I learned tonight in reading and researching, uh, played <laughs> four African American players on his in his starting lineup, like in 1961, well before Texas Western. And nobody has done any move. Of course, it wasn't all five, but he put four out there, and it was it was quite controversial in Kansas. Um, you move forward. Dean Smith brings Dick Harp in in 1986, kind of an end-of-career bonus, but also wanted his expertise around. 
And in 88, Roy Williams has to be pushed out the door, as Tim has documented in his biography of, of Roy, by not just Dean Smith, but Dick Harp, who had to say, yes, Kansas, good spot for you. Go get him. 88, that same year, who shows up in Chapel Hill as a freshman guard? Hubert Davis. You move forward, we're going to jump ahead. 2012, Hubert Davis now goes into coaching after playing in the NBA and being on ESPN. He joins Roy Williams' staff. I should mention that in 91, Hubert Davis goes to that one Final Four as a player. He loses in the semifinal to Kansas and Roy Williams across the way. 2012 to 2021, Hubert's an assistant. Now Roy Williams steps aside, resigns, uh, retires at age 70. He recommends Hubert Davis and encourages him to take over. Now Hubert's in the Final Four for the first time in his first year. And who does he see across the way? Of course, Duke. And if they somehow beat Duke, who's he going to see there? Kansas. It, the, 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 the intertwining uh, of these blue blood programs, but the connections, and I'm I'm just astounded by it. All of it. I'm just amazed. And, and that, <laughs> when does the that, when does the when does the book come out? Well, we have your book, and I and no, I'm your book. Forward, I'm looking your forward to your book on Dick Harp. Your book on well, Dick Harp. I'm going to start that process right now because mm -hmm. um, it needs to be done. It really needs to be done. Dick Harp. All this time, in fact, I found a quote. Roy Williams, your boy Roy, said about well, when Dick Harp passed in 2000, that. He basically, not Fog Allen, who was not very nice to Dick Harp, who embarrassed him at a banquet at Dick Harp's retirement banquet in 64, embarrassed him, saying he really wanted That's Ralph Miller to take over. I, I remember that. I was there. You were there. Mm -hmm. uh, so that chapter in the Roy Williams book where, Dick, where Roy calls Dick Harp the true father of Kansas basketball, I'm going to have to go back and reread that. I'm just saying, this just... Final Four is mind-blowing. And... Um, Good for Hubert Davis. Good for everybody who's there, I guess. Um, and good for me for the future wagers that I put down. And that's, <laughs> that's my point. You guys have, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I guess I'm so relieved that none of us took advantage. I don't, I'm not kicking myself quite as much, still kicking myself, that I didn't request that sit down with Dick Harp. Because then I'd have a really good final point tonight. <laughs> As opposed to what that was. Yeah. In the Dean era, would you have been allowed to talk to Dick Harp? I mean, isn't that the point? Uh, I think if if we, yes, because he was, I remember my friends uh, who worked in, well, John Vaden, who worked in Sports Info, and Chris uh, Chapman, who worked in Sports Ding. Info. And we started, the, we had a show there at WXYC 3030. Um, they would make small talk with Dick Harp and say, we should have him on the show sometime. And I'm pretty sure I said... No, we can't have Dick Harp on the student station. There's, you know, that's not, that's not big enough name. I probably said that. And, <laughs> and now, and now, you're station. now, you want, now you're profiting off his name by writing a book. Well, I, I was wrong. I think I had my sister as a guest on the student station one time. I, I was wrong. Have him on the student station. We had Steve Hale on. We had Dean on. We had Dean once. He, he did it by phone. He took one question and he gave a 30-minute answer. And he refused to let us jump back in. It was amazing. Um, he just kept talking like this. And uh, so Dick Harp would have been a fine guest. I blew it. I'm so sorry. 
uh, and America now will be researching this and looking forward to pre-ordering my 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 book, uh, the history, <laughs> the father of Kansas basketball. Is that, what is that the working title, Dick Carp, the father of Kansas? Father of Kansas basketball. <laughs> uh, that's what Roy called him, and I think that's a good title for the book. That's what I'm going. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. For that, uh, I'm a little busy right now covering Notre Dame football. I, I wish all this had happened about two years ago when I had all that time, but. Uh, it, you know, you got to do it when you got to do it. I'm, I am highly motivated now to, to introduce the world to Dick Harp. Actually, I think it'd be a better documentary. Yeah. It sounds like a 30 for 30. I, I, I mean, I, I look forward to those, those posthumous comments from James Naismith about how Dick Harp is the father of Kansas basketball. Roy, your boy, Roy said it. Mm -hmm. He said it. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to have to, you know, take it up with him. Uh, he said it. He said it in the book. You can't said, trust that. He said it. He said it in your book. <laughs> mm -hmm. He was misquoted in your book. No, mm -hmm. it was 20, 22 years ago. He, he uh -huh. said it uh, in the uh, obituary for Dick Harp at the time. Um, hmm. Yeah, because uh, people people are always very truthful in in their eulogies, and they, they you know, they're careful they, now. They, they they always try to be very objective in a situation like that, right? Careful now. Uh, okay. All right, so I think that's where we'll just leave it. Uh, do we make a prediction on this, or are we just done? We got about four minutes left. Well, I want to know, you know, since you did pick Kansas and you're taking credit for it now, yeah, um, even though you wouldn't reveal it on the pod, and you know, maybe we'd all made a different picks if we didn't have the pod deadline. Tim and I might have come to our senses and said, "What are we doing, uh, Kentucky? Why am I going with Kentucky? I don't like Kentucky." So anyway. Um, why did you pick Kansas? I, I don't know. I, I liked, uh, I'm actually, I thought Abaji was the kind of guy who would take over a game. I love that Remy Martin was back. I thought they played fine defense. I thought they were in the best league in the country. Um, thought they were very consistent throughout the year. And I liked their path. I, I didn't believe in Auburn. I didn't think, I thought that they had the path of least resistance. That was one thing everyone seemed to agree on around yeah. the country. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so then that's what you do. You kind of just look at it and, and go there. But uh, I did have them beating um, – well, I had, I had them beating Villanova in the, final, in the semifinal, and then I had them uh, beating a UCLA. I was I – over, UCLA? I overextended I over, I over UCLA. I loved that team. I, I don't like Mick Cronin, but I really love those players. And uh, Carolina took them apart. So, yeah, we're going to run out of time. So we don't have to cut a second ending. I'm just going to say thank to – Thank you to all for listening and um, enjoy basketball Armageddon.